Amen. Good morning, Pathway family. How are you this morning? You good? So, wow, I get to do this four times. This is my second time. The only time I've ever preached four times in one day was when I was in Asia. And I preached at two churches, four services in like four hours. And they were shuttling me around to different churches. And I think I slept for about three days after that. So I was supposed to pace myself the first service because I had to do this from that point three more times and I, I didn't do good at all. And so about five minutes into it, I thought, you know what, I'll just go for it and just lose my voice, I guess, and let, um, we'll let James preach. I don't have any hair. I'm not trying to be like T.D. Jakes. I just don't have hair like your pastor, so I have to wipe the sweat, you know? So let's pray. Father, you're a good, good God. You're a good king. You're a good Lord, and you're a good Father. We thank you for your covenant this morning. We thank you for your plan this morning. Yeah. Let that sink in. We thank you for your plan this morning. We thank you that you have us on your mind. We thank you that you have us in your heart and you have us in your hand. We bless you this morning and we declare as a body, a community, a family, not just as together, but as individuals, we tell you that we trust you. Set that in your heart right now. We trust you. We trust you. We believe in you. And that all your promises are yes and amen. And everyone said amen. Amen. Hey, so the first service, they were like alive. Who's more alive, the second or first? Oh my goodness. Somebody called the first service back. Come on, you got to be more alive than them. That was like nine nine o'clock. That was three hours ago. Y'all wake up. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about David and Goliath. Anyone remember that story? Back in the um, little children's church when they had the, y'all remember the felt boards? They were green and they had these people that, um, little men that wore the robes. Do y'all remember, men, do y'all remember those guys wearing robes? Like, could you imagine if I had to wear a robe this morning to church? That'd have been terrible. I thank God for jeans. Whoever made jeans, let's bless them when we get to heaven. I would not want to have to wear a robe this morning. But anyways, David, you know, he's there on that felt board and he's like five foot tall and then Goliath's like 20 foot tall and they both have skirts on and they're out wrestling with each other. So the story that we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it's a beautiful story of the faithfulness of God. And I want to talk to you this morning about God will do it again, amen? Amen. How many of you are in a season this morning where it would be nice if God would just do it again? You ever been there in your life where you're facing a mountain, you're facing a giant, you're facing a financial situation, the doctor's telling you something, your kids are not listening to you, I know your husband's not listening to you, amen? Come on, wives, preach back. And you're just like, you know, it would really be nice for God just to show up and do it again. So here we have the Israelite army, which is a beautiful, beautiful people because why? They're God's people. Out of everyone on the face of the earth, it was in the old covenant. 
The blood of Jesus had not bought the Gentiles yet, so God had one people easy to keep up with. Not for Moses, but for God, it was real easy. So they're standing here on one side of the valley, and the Philistines come out. The Israelites are ready. They're ready to fight the battle because they know that God has delivered them. They know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They know the God that parted the Red Sea. They know the God that when Moses smite the rock, the water came out. They know the God that drowned all of the, all the Egyptians in the Red Sea. They know this God. They hear the stories. And then all of a sudden, ready for battle, comes a surprise. A surprise enemy. You ever had any surprise enemies in your life? Israel's ready to fight. And then comes Goliath. This 30 foot tall man. He's really like nine foot tall. But as the story goes on, he just gets taller and taller and taller. It's like 50 foot tall. And here we have three foot tall David. And all of a sudden, this brave, conquering, victory in their DNA army becomes very fearful. Terror strikes them because of what stands before them. In this, for 40 days, this enemy comes out and taunt them. Can you imagine a 40-day taunt? Not just 40 days, but morning and night. So this morning you wake up, your enemy taunts you. But you know that at the end of the day, it's going to come again. And you know the only way that this enemy is going to stop taunting you is if someone steps forth and declares victory. So for 40 days, this enemy taunts them, striking fear in their heart and throwing accusations and lies until one day, David, on the backside of a desert, comes home and Jesse says, hey, why don't you go check on your brothers? They're in war against the Philistines. And David comes to the army that day and he leaves all the food and he goes out to battle and he goes out to hear Goliath taunt the Israelite army. And David hears this and thinks to himself, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to talk to the army of God this way? And then what really gets David's attention is the king says, anyone who defeats this man will be exempt of taxes. Can we say amen, all you tax payers? Glory. And then he also says, just a little extra, he said, I'll give my daughter as a wife to the man who can kill this giant. All the single men say, yes, Jesus. So we pick up this story with David standing before the king. Because the men heard the curiosity of David. And they brought him to, the, um, they brought him to Saul. Listen to what he says. In 1 Samuel 34 and 7. 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 37. Look at your neighbor and say, God will do it again. Listen to what David says. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it 
and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he is challenged, defied the army of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Can you say amen to the word of God? David had already faced the bear and the lion. Could you imagine a lion or a bear coming out to attack your dog or your cat and you beating him with your bare hands? This is what David did. But in order for David to ever beat his enemy, David had to know his enemy. That's one of the greatest weapons that our military has. The greatest weapon our military has is not its guns and its tanks and its planes and its ships. The greatest weapon that our, in, that our military has is the intel against their enemy. Amen. Like when I say something and I pause, you say amen. And then I'll go, and, because it gives me a time to get some water on my throat, you know. Amen. Amen. Okay, good. Now we're on, no, we're on cue now. Amen. There we go. Man, you are quick learners. This is going to be a good service. So fear is the number one thing that the enemy used against them. Well, you don't have to, okay, you don't have to do it like that. <laughs> Man, you are good. Amen. <laughs> so fear comes and attacks these grown men. They are champions of war. They're not just, they're not just little, little children that they just recruited, but these are men that have been in war for years. And listen to what the Bible says in verse 11. It says, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Verse 24 says, when the Israelites saw him, they ran away in fright. This verse literally says, before he ever even taunted anything, they ran away as scared. Fear is paralyzing the church. Do you realize where fear started at? Fear started in the garden. It started in the garden that as soon as they ate the fruit, it said that they seen that they were naked, they clothed themselves with fig leaves, and they went and hid. And then when the father came walking through the garden in the cool of the day, it said that they hid themselves because they were afraid. From the beginning of time, fear has been throwing fiery darts at God's children. They were fearful. Why? Why were they fearful? They were fearful that God would no longer love them because they were naked. Fear always brings along the partners of insecurity and rejection. Some of you are battling with fear right now. Fear that you'll never be the father that your kids need you to be. 
You'll never be the leader that your family needs you to be. You'll never be the wife that your husband wants you to be. You'll never be able to please him. You'll never be able to conquer this addiction. You'll never be able to lay this battle down. You'll never be free. You'll never be good enough for the dream. Some of you live with the fear daily that if they find out who I really am, then they won't believe me. Fear that you'll never have the courage. Fear that you'll die lonely. Fear that you'll never meet anyone. Fear it's constantly being thrown at the church. In this day, it was thrown at the army of Israel. On that day, it was thrown at Adam and Eve. But the truth was that perfect love cast out all fear. Do you realize that in the garden that there was a shadow of Jesus Christ already? Watch this. Fear that the father would reject them. So they hid and were afraid. But when the father found them afraid, for the first time ever, there was murder on the earth. Do you realize that Cain and Abel was not the first murder? But the first innocent blood that was shed was the animal that was killed by God. His creation had to kill his creation in order to clothe Adam and Eve in their nakedness. The father was already crying out, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You know what conquers fear? The love of God conquers fear. God wants you to know this morning that he really, really, really loves you. He wants you to know this morning that because of his love, he really, really, really believes in you this morning. The next, the next attack of the enemy was the lies that came flying in. Listen to the lies. This is okay. Is this good? Thank you. Verse 28. So when David comes in, this is what his brothers say to him. His brother says, what about those few sheep you were supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and I know about your deceit. Immediately, lies come flying in against David. Immediately him rejecting. David had every right to be there, but lies make you feel like you have no place being there. And sometimes the very people that are to be speaking truth in you, encouraging you, are sometimes the very people that are lying about you. But you know what David did? David did this. Sometimes you just got to turn around and walk away. Do you hear me? Sometimes you just got to turn around and walk away. The next lie that was thrown his way was the king Saul said to him, said, David, You're crazy. There is no way that you can go out and fight this professional of war. He's been a warrior since his childhood. And all you do is watch sheep, lies, acquisitions just thrown his way. Lies. What does lies to do? Lies is to keep you in bondage and keep you in fear and keep you living in regret. People who live in lies, people who live in fear, die in regret. David was one of those that refused to die in regret. Let me say that again. David was one that refused to die in regret. Heroes don't die with regret. David knew the truth. 
I can imagine David standing there before the Goliath and pulling up that Psalms 23. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for he is with me. In his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and he anoints my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And surely goodness and surely mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And David said, I'll dwell forever in the house of the Lord. You know how David fought the lies and the fear? He fought it with truth. You fight back with truth. You have two decisions every day that you wake up. It's either lies or truth. Truth or lies. Truth or lies. Lies or truth. There's only two decisions every day you wake up. Lies and truth. Truth and lies. What will you choose? The Israelites woke up that day and chose lies. David woke up that day a champion and said, I choose truth. You know what, the, what it means when he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy? Literally, in the Bible days, I love it, the Bible days. Amen. There was no back door to the house, there was only a front door. And when you would invite a guest over to your house, you would always set the guest at the foot of the table. And the owner of the house was set at the head of the table, and the head of the table was where the front door was. You know why? Because if an enemy came in that house looking for the guest, he had to go through the owner of the house first. (laughs) You have a king that has prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemy. And in order for any giant, mountain, storm, lie, arrow of fear to go against you, it has to go through Jesus Christ, through the blood. And last time I checked, the blood is still preaching, still singing, still declaring, and still prophesying over your marriage, over your health, over your dream, and over your vision. It ain't an arrow, any enemy that can touch you without going through Jesus. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. David knew the truth. He knew that he was wonderful counselor. He knew he was prince of peace, mighty God, and everlasting father. See, the mistake that Goliath kept making with the Israelites is he kept referring to them as the servants of Saul. But David realized that he wasn't the servant of Saul. Because the servant of Saul can't slay a giant. He realized that he was a servant of God. And the servant of God can slay any giant. You're not the servant of pathway. No. 
You hold the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You're the servant of God in in Longview, Texas. You're the servant of God carrying the dream of God, carrying the visions of God. You're not the servant of this house. You're the servant of God working in this house. David didn't see himself as a mere man. That day he saw himself as a giant slayer. Do you realize that the truth is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives on the inside of you? Let me go over here this side. Do you realize that the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the grave on the third day lives on the inside of your belly? Let me go over here now. Do you realize that the same spirit of God that raised Christ Jesus from the grave on the third day lives on the inside of your belly? The same resurrected power lives in your home, lives in your marriage, lives in your dream, lives in your family, lives in your sons, and lives in your daughters. That same spirit lives in you. David knew the truth. David recognized, listen, I'm not the devil's puppet. Cut the strings. You're not his puppet. He can't just pull you and dictate you, manipulate you, lie to you, strike fear in your heart. He doesn't have any power over you. Satan has no victory in your life. Satan has no victory in your family. David knew it. David stepped forth before the king. Men laughing at him, mocking him. David said, I'll fight him. Why? Because he knew the greater was the God inside of him than the enemy coming against him. Do you realize that the secret has been revealed that was hidden from the beginning of time that Christ lives in you, giving you the hope of glory? You're not alone. (laughs) Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. You're not alone. You got to know that when you wake up in the morning because you're going to have your giants. You're going to have your mountains. You're going to have the lies. You're going to have the fear. And you got to be able to stand your ground and say, I'm not alone. Church, you're more than conquerors. You've got the blood of Jesus working for you. Listen, real good question in Romans chapter 8. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, then who can be against you? No one. No one can bring charges against you if God's for you. Yes and amen. All of God's promises are yes and amen. 
Listen, there's no darkness that he can't turn the light on. There's no dead thing he can't bring back to life. There's no night that he can't bring the day to. There's no sorrow he can't bring joy to. There's no confusion he can't bring peace to. There's no sickness that he can't provoke healing in the body. There's no debt he can't erase. He's God and he's on your side and he's fighting for you. David was just with a sling and just with the stones those that day. He just had a shepherd, a shepherd staff. No, he had God on his side. You're not mere people trying to buy a piece of land on 259 that's way over your head. No, that's God's land. And he said, go take it. (laughs) That's God's money. It ain't your money. I said, that's God's money. It's not your money. He'll buy it. He'll purchase it. He'll furnish it. He'll build it up and he'll fill it with people. Why? Because it was his idea before it was yours. I don't even know where I am. Where am I at? Something about David believes or something. Good. No hair. Gotta wipe it. David was a real good trash talker. If you don't know how to talk trash, I promise you that your pastors know how to talk trash. I've played basketball with Mark and I've heard stories about Marty, okay? So if you don't know how to talk trash, go play basketball with those guys and they will teach you how to talk trash. Now is not the time to go silent, church. That's the issue with the world. We're too silent. My 15-year-old boy, he, got, he gets kicked off Facebook all the time because he will not be quiet. He is always confronting sin. Sometimes he's a little John the Baptist with it. Sometimes he's a little John Beloved with it, okay? I'm trying to get the John the Baptist at him and put more love in him. But he's not silent. Listen to what David said. So the enemy's always talking. Do you realize how many voices we have in our head? The only way to silence the voices is for you to be the voice speaking. (laughs) I said the only way to silence the voices in your head is for you to be the voice speaking. Open up your mouth and let rivers of living water come flowing out. Open up your mouth and let rivers of living water come flowing out of you. Listen to what he says. David replied. What a powerful word. Some of you need to reply back to the devil. Reply back to your enemy. Reply back to your mountain. David replied to the Philistines. You come to me with a sword. And you come to me with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army. The God of the army of Israel whom you have defiled. Today, look at your neighbor and say today. Look at your other neighbor and say I didn't forget you today. Today the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you and I will cut off your head and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there was a God in Longview, Texas. 
And everyone assembled in Longview, Texas will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword or a spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. That's some good trash talk right there. I mean, he slapped the devil with some trash talk. You know why? Because David never saw himself as the underdog. I quit waking up a long time ago thinking I was the underdog. Don't wake up and look in the mirror and say, man, I hope I can make it today. Wake up and look in the mirror and say, I dare you, life. (laughs) I dare you, giants. That's the way David lived his life. David understood that there was a God that could not change. Let me say that again. David understood that there was a God that could not change. He understood that he served a God that was the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You heard Jennifer say when when she was up here singing, he's not clumsy. I hope I don't drop him today. No, he's got you sure right here in his hand. He's got a tight grip on you and he will not change. He's not a man that he could change his mind. And David walked out on that battlefield that day and knew I'm not the underdog. You're the underdog. I serve a God that cannot change. I serve a God that for 40 years fed him with manna and quail in the wilderness. I serve a God that parted Red Seas. We serve a God that's a fourth man in the, in the fiery furnace. We serve a God that's a lockjaw in the lion's den. We serve a God that on the day of Pentecost poured out his Holy Ghost and saved 3,000 people. That's the God we serve. We serve a God that took five fish and a few loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people. That's the God you serve. We serve a God that walks on water. We serve a God that gave his life for a lost and dying world. And three days later, he got out of the grave. He's the living one. And he lives on the inside of you. I love what David said. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why would he say this? Because he was reminding the people of God that listen, you're in covenant. Whoo. He was reminding the enemy, listen, you're not the children of God because you're not circumcised. You're a pagan, but I'm circumcised and all these men behind me are circumcised, which means we're in covenant. You know how the only way covenant can be broken is if God says, I want to divorce you. That's the only way covenant is broken. And it ain't going to happen. You're in covenant with him. Your enemy is an uncircumcised enemy that has no covenant. (laughs) Let me say it again. Your enemy is an uncircumcised enemy that has no covenant. What David is saying is, who are you to not bow the knee to my God? Say that to your mountain. 
Say that to your storm. Say that to your issue. Who are you to not bow the knee to my God? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every mountain, every giant has a knee and it must bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. David knew this. He had a different mindset. I love what he says in verse 34. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. I think I'm all over the place this morning. I'm breaking every preaching rule ever this morning. He says, I, I used to. You know what's real interesting about that statement? Is that he just came from watching the sheep. Now, what is beautiful about the life of David is that in chapter 16, David gets anointed to be king. And then when we get to verse chapter 17, you know where we see David at? David's right back out with the sheep still. You couldn't get him away from the sheep until destiny called. Why did he say I used to? Because he heard the call of destiny. And when destiny calls, you have to put everything else behind you. Destiny is calling you this morning. And David knew that at that moment, I got to draw a line in the sand and I'm stepping over into destiny and putting everything else behind me. At that moment in David's life, everything changed. There are moments in your life that you have the decision to make. Everything changes right here, right now. What would it be for you today? What are you saying today? I used to. Some of you are going to leave this place today saying, I used to be hopeless, but no more. Some of you are going to leave this house today saying, I used to be sick, but no more. Some of you are going to leave this house today saying, I used to be broken, but no more. I used to have anxiety, but no more. David realized the moment of destiny and he shifted everything and said, today everything changes. Can I get some music, please? I love what he says. Let me move on. Let's close this thing. I'm going to close soon. I told the first service that I was going to close soon. And I like the word soon because Jesus used it. It's a prophetical word. He said, I'm soon returning. That was like 2,000 years ago. So I'm going to close soon this morning. David says in verse 50 and verse 51 in the King James Version. It says that he slung the stone and it sank into the head of the Goliath, the giant. And the Bible literally says that it killed him. But then it said that David ran over and he did not have a sword. So he took the sword from Goliath and cut his head off and killed him. Do you realize that the Bible actually says that he killed him two times? Some things you got to kill more than once. 
some things you have to kill more than once. But you have to keep killing it over and over again. Fear is going to keep knocking at the door, but you have the authority to keep killing it. Doubt is going to keep knocking at the door, but you have the authority to keep killing it. What do you need to kill today? What lies do you need to kill today? What fear do you need to kill today? Because the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you. And remember, you're the circumcised one. You're the one under covenant. Then we get to the place where David says, listen, I fought the bear. I fought the lion. And God will do it again. Do you realize that God is faithful, church? His promises this morning are yes and amen. There's not a promise that he will not fulfill. Listen, we stand in our confidence knowing that God is faithful. What kind of name is that? What kind of name is it to be called faithful and true? Wow. That's your God. There's no other man. There's no other being in all creation, in all the universe, that people gather four times in one day and cannot stop talking about him and worshiping him. That's crazy. But he's faithful and he's true. He's faithful and he's true in victory. He's faithful and he's true in every battle. Listen, I love, I love the words of the song that says, there's not a shadow that he won't light up. And there's not a mountain he won't climb up coming after you. There's not a wall he won't kick down. And there's not a lie he won't tear down coming after you. He's faithful. And he's going to do it again. What do you need him to do again in your life today? What do you need him to do again in your dream today? What do you need him to do again in your marriage today? What do you need him to do again in your children today? He's faithful. He's faithful. Can you stand with me this morning? About a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was out walking the track. We're doing really good on time. I was out walking the track. And God compelled me to raise my hands. And it takes about five to seven minutes to walk around that track. And the meaning of raising your hands, there's three meanings. I'm sure there's a lot more, but my mind is just holding three. That's my limit. It's three. When we all know whether we surrender when we raise our hands. Saying, God, we surrender to you. Another beautiful meaning is when the priests were working the temple. Listen to this. They would raise their hands and welcoming the Spirit of God to come in. It was an ushering in of the Spirit of God. The last meaning is a meaning of victory. Remember when Moses, I believe it's in Numbers, he raised up his hands when the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites. And as long as Moses' hands were up, there was victory until 
that the Amalekites were absolutely destroyed. And so I started practicing this. So I got to the point where I could do it for 10 minutes one day. I have a 50 year old son that I mentioned earlier. Good, good boy. But he's 15. Parents, can I get a good amen? And he was just struggling this weekend. Went out to that same track that I raised my hands at the first time and I started doing this. And I just talked to him over and over and over and I just, I could hear the arrows of the enemy, the fear of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the deceit of the enemy as it was trying to sink into my son at 15. And I remember not necessarily feeling like I was warned against him, but I knew that I was warned against the giant in his mind. Sunday rolls around and man, he, has a, he just has a bad day. He just, he just like me, he is stubborn. And I told him, I said, son, you are being stubborn right now. I really think, I, I think the wise thing would be is to not say anything else, but he didn't want to stop. He just kept on. Monday morning, I wake up, and the Spirit of God says this to me. He says, Stephen, I want you to raise your hand for 12 minutes, and I want you to march around this house, and I want you to pray a violent prayer. It's good to pray violent prayers every once in a while. And I marched around that house. The boys were still in bed. And I'm praying in tongues, and I'm shouting, and I'm declaring the word of the Lord over my family. I get done, I get ready for work. When I'm getting ready for work, my son comes in there and he says, Daddy, he said, I want you to know that I'm thankful that you're praying for me. I'm laying in bed that night and he opens the door (laughs) and he gets a little choked up and he says, Dad, I can't tell you how proud I am to know that you're praying for me and that you're warm for me. And then he starts throughout this whole week, he's texting me scriptures. And he's saying, Dad, I'm memorizing scriptures. He said, remember that talk we had Saturday night? I'm listening to you, and I'm memorizing those scriptures. This whole week, he has had this glow about him. Is he a teenager still? Yes. But I saw in that very moment all those lies and all that fear and all those accusations of the enemy break immediately. Yeah, that's right. Why? Because he's faithful. We serve a good, good God. All of his promises are yes and amen. We can't get lost in church. We can't get lost in religion. We can't get lost in our Bible study and lost in having a prayer time. Then we forget that he's living and he's real and he really, really cares about you. And you know what he has in his hand? He has the head of every giant that you need to be slayed this morning. The head of every giant has already been cut off and the victory's already been paid for for his children. So this is what I want us to do before we move any further in this altar service. I want us as a family, I want us to raise our hands. You don't have to raise them right now. But we're going to raise our hands and we're going to declare God's faithfulness We're going to declare his finished work 
whatever giant, whatever mountain, whatever lie, whatever fear that you may be facing this morning, whatever uncircumcised pagan Philistine that's been in your ear and been in your mind and been in your soul, been in your intellect, been in your emotions, it's dying today. You used to fight it, but we're going to kill it this morning. They're going to sing this song and we're going to raise our hands as a community and we're going to believe that as our hands are raised that his faithfulness is going to enter into victory. Amen. Let's raise our hands this morning.